Welcome to CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Mabra. This is your one-stop shop to learn the business side of your practice on a deeper level. On this show, we empower you to own your CEO status to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. Listen in as we talk about how to market your practice to gain more visibility, hire, build, and engage your ride-or-die dream team, create streamlined operations, and make financial decisions as a CEO. It's time to show up as a confident leader to create a practice and life you love. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today about team, team and leadership. So I've been setting you up over the past couple of weeks to get you ready for Q4. Q4 is quarter four. Quarter four starts October 1st. What I love about the last 90 days of the year is it sets you up for the momentum that you need to go into the next year. So 2024 strong. And I cannot believe that we are talking about 2024. Like this year has flown by, I mean, flown by, which reminds me that we only have today, right? We're never promised tomorrow. And God has given us all big missions, big visions, big purposes. And our job is to make sure that we are going after those purposes, going after that mission and going after that vision that's been put on your heart. So I want to encourage you because you're getting ready to be inundated with all of this information, especially if you're on social about Q4, ending the year strong, setting yourself up for success. Some people will come from it from more of an inspirational stance. Some people are going to come from it like, if you don't work with me, then you're going to end the year awful. And, you know, just from a place of FOMO. So be careful. Like I always say, protect your CEO mindset. Be careful what you're taking in. Be careful of who you're listening to. But the goal is with any quarter, it always sets you up for that next quarter, right? And so quarter four is no different. It's going to set you up for the Q1 of 2024. So the last 90 days of the year is important. The other thing is that if there's any goals that you set for yourself at the beginning of the year that you haven't hit yet, hey, you have the rest of the year to hit those goals. So the year isn't over. So go after what you set out to do and ask yourself, what do we need to do? If it's a certain revenue amount that you wanted to hit, if there was a certain project that you wanted to to be getting started on, or maybe there was something that you wanted to implement in your practice, maybe there was a service that you wanted to incorporate, whatever that looks like, maybe a certain team member that you wanted to hire, whatever that looks like, ask yourself what needs to happen at this point in time for it to happen, right? Oftentimes we always are on like version 10 of what we want right now. And so we don't move on that or it feels scary or we'll sit, we'll procrastinate, we'll say it's not possible. And one of the things I love is always asking the question, what's version 1.0? You know, what's version one of the version 10? Because there's usually something like something smaller that we can implement today that's going to make a huge impact for tomorrow and is going to get us to that version 10. So that's my question for you is what goals are not maybe looking promising or what goals did you set for yourself that maybe you haven't hit yet? And what do you need to do to hit those goals in the last 90 days of the year? Or even at the time when this podcast comes out, 
he'll probably have still have some time even in September, right? So today's the day. Today is the day. We are not promised tomorrow. So what are you going to do today? All right. So that's my inspirational speech before we dive into today's episode. So with team, what you'll always hear me say is that the team who got you here will not be the team that gets you there. The reason why I say that is because it's true. It is true. As your practice evolves, as you evolve as a business owner, your team evolves as well and the positions that they're working in. As the practice makes more money, as the practice gets bigger, as you hire maybe more providers, especially for the group practice owners, then your team is going to start to evolve and transition. So the point of today's episode, especially as you're planning for quarter four, is for you to think about your team maybe a little bit differently and to dive into whether the team that you have in place is working for you and working for the practice and it definitely has the buy-in and engagement that you need for the mission and vision, or do you need to make some changes, right? And what does that look like for you? What does that look like for the practice? And what is that going to do for you? For the clients that we work with, I'm always looking at their team, you know, like what's happening with it. And a lot of times because I'm outside looking in, it's easier for me to recognize maybe when a team member needs to work more hours, when a position needs to change, maybe from a 1099 contractor to a W-2. Sometimes we're going from a W-2 to a 1099 contractor, just depending on the situation when maybe a practice model isn't as profitable as what it should be, when there's an opportunity to incorporate a different service. So there's a lot of things that can happen within a practice that you definitely wanna make sure that you're paying attention to. And the thing is, is like when it comes to the team piece, if the alignment isn't on point, it's gonna cost you three things, time, money, and energy always always either it's because you're worried you don't trust your team you're overwhelmed you're having to have a lot of conversations you're compensating for the work that maybe they're not doing you're holding on to things you're keeping too much on your plate you're working way too many hours so it costs you those three things from a team dynamic the same thing happens so as we're talking about the different types of things that can happen with a, within a job position and with a team member, I want you to understand that it's going to impact you as the owner, but if you have other team members or if you have a bigger team, then it's impacting those other team members too, which ultimately impacts the practice as a whole. So now the practice is losing money and isn't in the best place to be profitable, right? Or, in, or having the best financial outcome that it, that it could have if you had a team that was in alignment and has buy-in for that mission and vision. So let's dive into this a little bit more. So there's a couple of things I wanna reference in today's episode and the title of today's episode is very clear. You know, is your team an asset or are they a liability? Because it's one or two things always. You'll hear me say that your team is an asset. When your team is an asset, it's because you have your ride or die dream team. They're bought in, they're a good fit when, when it comes to your business culture. You have those three things on lock when it comes to skill set, strengths, and culture fit. Those are always the three things that you need to pay attention to when you're hiring. I'll say it again. Strengths, skill set, culture fit. Culture fit, strengths, skill set. Skill set, strengths, culture fit. <laughs> and 
It's so true. Usually when someone comes to me and starts complaining about their team member, I'll listen, but it's because there's something out of alignment within those areas. Either the team member doesn't have the skills that they need to do the job, they don't have the strengths that they need to do the job, or they're not a good culture fit. So as the practice is growing, those three things are also going to shift because we're all people and we all change and we all grow and we have different stuff that happens and life happens and life is lifing. Like all these things can definitely start to seep in. So it's for it's important for you to recognize, is this a skill set thing? Is this a strength thing? Or is this a culture fit thing? And do the assessment. When you do the assessment, it's going to allow for you to understand, is this team member still an asset or are they a liability? When you are thinking about assets and liabilities, most times it's always connected to money. So when we think about assets, the number one thing I go to is like real estate. You know, real estate is an asset. When you, if you own your building, like if you own your practice and it's full, <laughs> then it's an asset. So if not, if you own a building, but all your rooms are not full or like your office space or your offices, then that is actually a liability because you're paying either rent or mortgage, but you're not fully utilizing the square footage, right? So that is a metric. That is something that does matter. So you've turned that asset into a liability compared to a real asset is something that helps you make more money. So it's also the amount of money that you even have in your bank account that's an asset. So if you look at, especially if you get a profit and loss statement on your balance sheet, those are some of the things that will be listed. Like how much cash do you have on hand? Cause those are assets, right? So when we think about team, we don't necessarily think about them as in a term of an asset. We definitely don't necessarily maybe think about them in a liability with a liability that might be some maybe additional costs that you've taken on where there's no return on investment or maybe you've dived into something like usually debt, like business debt is considered a liability. Um, and so the, it's important for you to always think about like, what are some of the liabilities that are happening and how can I turn that into an asset? So those are always the two questions, you know, for the assets that you have, are you maintaining it as an asset or for the liabilities you have, how can you take those liabilities and turn it into an asset? So those are the questions. When it comes to team, there's two things that will happen. So in addition to you paying attention to those three things, skill set, strengths, and culture fit, I want you to think about two different scenarios as you were sitting down and thinking about each team member in the job position that they're in. So let's talk about scenario number one. The job position outgrows the team member. So as the practice evolves, it, it can happen where you've hired them for a certain position, whether if it's an admin position or a clinical position, and that team member starts to become a situation where there's a misalignment. When it comes to the position, this means that the position starts to require more than the team member can or wants to give. Oftentimes I always see this with 1099 contractors where maybe, especially like in the provider area, maybe where you need for them to see more folks, they don't want to because they might have another commitment, another job, other priorities. And so you can tell like this position needs more in order for us to take the practice to that next level or to move the practice forward, the position requires more. And the team member who was working in that position isn't in a place to do it. So when that happens, it's going to cost you time, money, and energy. The time factor comes in into play 
because now you are probably taking on, this is usually where providers say, I'm the one who has to see all the folks in order for us to maintain revenue. I have to see more people. You're usually compensating for the providers who can't work more. From an admin perspective, you're usually keeping more admin duties on your plate because that person can't work more hours or that person doesn't want to work more hours. So you're compensating and keeping, maybe it's billing, maybe it's scheduling appointments, maybe it's returning follow-up, like all those things on your plate, marketing, social media, all those things, right? Because you're compensating because the position is requiring more than what that team member can give. I have seen where 1099 contractors, they are, they're open to working more hours, they want more hours. And this sometimes will happen too with W2 part-time employees as well. There's just a misalignment. So that's scenario number one that you always need to pay attention to and then watch. From a team perspective, let me talk about that because from a team perspective, when you have a, a position that's outgrowing a team member, you take on more work as the owner, but your other team members can take on more work too. So the same thing happens and this is where the money piece starts to come into play. So now you have other team members who are compensating for a position and they might end up in the weeds, right? They might end up becoming bottlenecks. So it can definitely be a domino effect that costs more money, more time and energy because you might have multiple conversations, you might be stressed out, you might be trying to figure out like what is wrong, like I don't understand what is happening. You might see it on your, like in the revenue, you'll see it in your expenses, like all of it you'll see in your profitability, like all of it. And so you need to make sure that you're recognizing, is there just a misalignment? You know, is the position outgrowing what's required? So some solutions there would be to sit down with the team member, tell the team member what is needed. This is where key performance indicators, job descriptions, policy and procedures become really important because things become very black and white. I've seen where owners are very attached to the person who's working in that position and will just overcompensate, right? Will overcompensate, overcompensate, and then have other team members overcompensate instead of just sitting down with that team member and saying, look, at this point in time, this position requires X. What I'm noticing is that you were not able to give X. And again, it's, it comes down to two reasons. Either they don't want to because they have other things that, they're, that they want to focus on. So this position isn't truly the priority or it's because they can't, right? And so you have to decipher between the two, but you have to just sit down and have real conversations. Scenario number two is that the team member outgrows the job position. So this is where maybe you've hired someone for a specific role and again, this is why paying attention to the skill set, the strengths and the culture fit is important because in this scenario, what you start to notice is that this person becomes very efficient in the, in the position, which is good. Like you want to hire experts, but you also need to make sure that you're setting up those experts for the next phase of growth as a team member. So in this particular scenario, you'll notice that they become very efficient. They're able to take on a lot. Um, in that job position. And usually what happens, they're definitely a high performer. The flip side of this and where you need to watch out for and some telltale signs where this becomes, again, where you'll lose time, money, and energy is because if you don't recognize the fact that this person is excelling, or if you are so focused on other the other stuff in the practice that maybe isn't working and you don't pick up on the fact that this person is excelling, this person is a high performer and that they're outgrowing this position, then what happens 
is that this person in this role we can, can become bored. They can become unproductive. Things can start to slip through the cracks because they're just stuck in this mundane, right? So again, this is why it's important for you to have job description, policy procedures, KPIs, and sitting down with your team on a regular basis to identify what are goals? What do you want to do next? How can I help you grow as a leader? All of these things, because it's really important in this position that if you have a high performer, that you are setting them up for success, but you're paying attention and you're recognizing them for their work. So a fix here would be, do they need to be promoted? Is there additional project maybe they can take on? Is there, is it time for a raise? What does that look like? Um, if not though, like if you don't recognize some of these telltale signs or red flags, you'll end up losing that person. So that's why this scenario is so important because it still leads to the exact same thing, especially if that person gets bored, unproductive, they start taking more time off. They are more or less just kind of coming to work, collecting the paycheck, and they might even be looking for a different job. So pay attention. So those are your two scenarios. So to do a quick review, scenario number one is the position outgrows the team member. And then in number two, the team member outgrows the job. So those are the two, two situations. So in both situations, going back to the asset and the liability, in both situations, you've now turned a asset is now a liability. So especially in scenario number two, where when you first hire that person, that person was probably an asset and now they become a liability. In scenario number one, maybe it was a good fit initially, but now that position is outgrowing the team member. So now they're a liability. So you have to pay attention. You have to take the time to actually focus on what is happening within the practice. This is why having CEO time, this is why making sure that you have space in your calendar to think, you have space in your calendar to pay attention to what are some of the key metrics that you're following. You're having time on your calendar to actually sit down and have real conversations with your team, whether if it's in a team meeting or one-on-ones. Like you have to stop and pay attention. You have to stop and pay attention. So earlier I had said that the team who got you here will not be the team that gets you there. So if you are at six figures, the team who got you to six figures won't be the team that gets you to multi six. The team that got you to multi six will not be the team that gets you to seven. And the team that got you to seven will definitely not be the team that gets you to eight. And it all pertains to scenario number one, scenario number two, and if that person is a good fit for strengths, skill set, and culture fit. There's a really great business expert, I'm going to call him. His name is Alex Hermosi. And actually, I just got his book, 100 Million Leads, which is actually a really good book. It lets you know like different ways to get folks into your business. I'll put it actually in the show notes. But I love his stance because he did a podcast YouTube video and he talked about this very thing. And so last week with the money conversation, we talked about how your practice is an asset. Your practice that you're building is a true asset. It's something that if you eventually, not saying everybody wants to do this, but if you want to sell your practice, you can. You know, you absolutely can, right? And so the asset that you're sitting on is worth a lot of money, a lot of money. When we're talking about team, Part of that valuation process is that they're looking at how much revenue is coming in the door. What's the profitability of the practice look like? What's the, you know, how does the practice run? Is the practice able to run without that CEO or founder? And a lot of that deals with the skill sets that each person has within these positions. So the higher skill sets that you have within the position, then the better off you are. So with Alex, Alex is known for uh, working in gyms, building up gyms, and, and then he start teaching how to do gyms. And so fast forward to today, he goes in and he buys companies. So his company is called Acquisition 
um, yeah, acquisition.com is like his website and everything else too. And so uh, with him, he was saying that even with the valuation process, they're looking at specifically even leadership. So let's say that you have a practice manager who is okay. And I see this a lot. Most times practice managers, because the practice can't always afford, especially like you have to get to seven figures, usually seven figures plus, but the type of practice manager that can actually run the day to day, be competent in a profit and loss statement, be equipped to make financial decisions, be able to come up with growth strategies and really be a strong leader is something that you have to take the time to find. But when we're talking about that valuation process, the manager that is just okay, but relies on a lot on the owner or very heavily isn't easily, you know, isn't self-guided, maybe doesn't know business, isn't taking the time to learn business. And it's just kind of showing up and doing whatever you tell them to do is more of a worker bee and not necessarily a leader, especially when it comes to the manager piece, that's actually going to hurt your practice from a valuation standpoint, right? So your score would be lower compared to if you have a practice manager that can run that practice and you aren't needed as the owner, then that's actually going to give you a higher score. So this is why we have to pay attention to who are we hiring in the practice and is it a makeshift hire or is it a hire that truly makes sense? And if it's a, a hire that you know you need to train up, that you're actually taking the time to train them up in order to enhance their skills. Especially if you are listening to this and you have the aspirations of eventually growing your practice and selling. But even if you don't, I still want you to be in a place where you can leave your practice and you can take time off and you can, you know, relax. You don't have to worry about maybe somebody burning the practice down or coming back to 50,000 emails or feeling like you have to be the go-to resource for everybody, right? That's awful. That's so much weight and that's so much energy that goes into that. And so that's part of the work that I do, regardless of what you want, your vision is your vision. The legacy that you want to leave is the legacy that you want to leave. But either way, you need to have your practice set up so you can take time off, right? You can, I mean, you're your own business owner. If you can't time off, take time off in your business, what is the point? You know, what is the point? Like you have to make sure that you are able to have space and time to spend time with family and not work all the time. Even if you are, even if you love what you do, like I love what I do. I absolutely positively love what I do, but I know that my family needs me too, right? Like there's a balance to it there is always a balance to it. So this is just good information for you, whatever your stance is. But I just wanted to talk about him because he talks a lot about this, especially when it comes to the valuation piece of it. And I know even from my experience with private equity and, and investors, you know, coming in or even me working like post acquisitions and being part of mergers to help with restructuring practices and re-engaging teams and everything. That skill set that your team has, it it's a game changer, a good good game changer or a bad game changer. But you want to make sure that you're definitely paying attention. Another really great book that I always talk to is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Len Lencioni. And with him, you know, he has such a great quote. So one of the five dysfunctions is lack of commitment. And so when it comes to the lack of commitment for your team, then he says in the book, team commitment is a function of two things, clarity and buy-in. 
This is why when you first hire, you have to have the clarity for what the position requires, but your team member also needs to have the clarity to make sure that this position is going to be a good fit. And as the person continues to work for you, and as the position continues to evolve, that clarity piece is so important because it's going to make or break the buy-in that the person has in the role. So you have to make sure that you're paying attention to this. So I love the fact that the lack of commitment is definitely a dysfunction. So I'll put this book in the show notes as well, but I love this book because it is like, it goes back to if your team feels dysfunctional, it's probably because it's one of those five dysfunctions. So you need to go back and pay attention to, you know, what's happening, you know, what's happening with the team dynamic. So if you're asking like, okay, Brandy, all this is really great information. You know, how can I, how can I fix this situation? So going into quarter four, I would love for you just to sit down and think about, just take the time, schedule an appointment with yourself, have a really great beverage, you know, whether if it's, if sometimes when I'm doing business planning, I'll be honest, I'll have a glass of wine. You know, I love my Starbucks coffee. I'm actually sitting here with it now as I'm recording this podcast. And so have fun with it, have fun with it. But when you're diving into team, I would love for you to go through the exercise and think about each team member, rate them on a scale from one to 10. You know, how are they doing for making your life easier? How are they doing when it comes to mission and vision and business culture of the practice? How are they doing with the work that they're doing? How are they doing with the guidance that you have to give them? How are they doing with, you know, maybe if you're thinking like they are always asking me questions, you know, like what kind of team member are they from a scale from one to 10? And then ask yourself, is this team member an asset or are they a liability or are they somewhere in between? And then what needs to happen for them to get to be an asset. So there's three things that you can definitely do when you are also thinking about, or is the team an asset and how do you turn the liability of a team member into an asset for, you know, of a team member. So the first thing is to identify the alignment. Is the alignment there? So when you're asking yourself on the scale from one to 10, that's gonna give you a really good indication. So if they're closer to a 10, that means the alignment is probably on point. But if they are, you know, towards five or less, you know, or even in the seven range, I would say something's off. So you have to ask yourself the question, like what's off, which goes into step number two. For the misalignment, like what needs to change? At any given time, it I love the the one to ten scale because the goal is always how do I get to a 10? Like what needs to happen for me to get to a 10? We're never in business. Very rarely will be there anything that's happening in the practice that's at a 10. If it is at a 10, what do you need to do to maintain it at a 10? Or is there something where you're saying it's a 10, but is there what I find sometimes there's like a bigger goal that you have, but you'll, but you're at a 10. <laughs> so you don't want to rock the boat. So you know, like if you're at a 10, what do you need to do to maintain a 10? And is it a true 10? But most times it's, there's something that you need to do. Even if you're at an eight or nine, what do you need to do to get to a 10? So what does that team member need to do to get to a 10? What does that position require in order to get to a 10? The third thing is make needed changes with no regret. So part of my experience, like I said, I've had to go into a lot of organizations and provide some really hard messages. Like I've had to terminate or fire more people than I like to admit. But one of the things I have become very good at is I'm a fixer. I can look at your problem, look at your situation and, and figure out very quickly where, 
you know, what's happening with it, right? So if it's a team dynamic, if it's an operation dynamic, if it's a money dynamic, like what is the, what are the issues and concerns that are happening from that practice being as well oiled as what it needs to be? The conversations and the things that I've had to do with team aren't pretty. You know, there's a lot of things. I mean, I've had to cry during certain, after certain conversations, um, whether if it's me going through layoffs, whether me having to weed out a team member, whether if it's me having to have a hard time, a hard conversation, write up some folks, like all those things. But at the end of the day, what I will say is that you have to be very transparent. You have to be honest. Like if you were, especially when you own your own business. So if you're keeping anybody in a position because you feel bad or you're keeping more things on your plate because you don't want to come across as being mean or rude or bossy, then you're not doing yourself any any favors and you're not doing that team member any favors. So as hard as these conversations might be, or as hard as making these changes might be, you're going to save yourself so much stress, right? Like at the end of the day, it's, I'm more concerned about energy because if you don't have the energy, then you're not going to be as productive as what you need to be. And you're not going to give yourself the permission or have the, the energy that you need to even take the practice to where it needs to go. Right. And so with the clients that we work with, We've had to help them fire people. We've had to transition teams. Uh, we've had to have them let a few people go. Um, we've had to change maybe from a W-2 employee to a 1099 contractor. That was something recently that we did because there was a misalignment. We are also providing opportunities for promotions too. Like I think that this would be a really great promotion for this employee or this team member or if there's an opportunity to take a 1099 contractor and turn them into an employee. So it's it's definitely evolving, but you have to commit to the change, right? You have to commit to making the change with no regret. And so one of the things, like those difficult conversations are the hardest thing to do. But what I've always given, like what, what has always given me comfort is that I know if God has a plan for me, God has a plan for them too. And that's always where my comfort has been. And especially for the folks, maybe if I've had to let them go, I mean, part of the process is, unfortunately, there have been some times where it's just, you know, this is what we just have to do because it just doesn't make sense from a profit standpoint, we have to let you go. But most times there's where I'm giving them opportunities. I am having really, you know, honest conversations with them and it just doesn't work out. And so with those folks, every every situation is helping them move towards their purpose and i love that you know i love that that was something that always gave me clarity i was at a tg jake's leadership conference last year and was part of a you know listening to a panel and that's even what what was said there you know is that god has a purpose for everybody he really really does and so your job is to make sure that you are doing your work that's been put on your heart in order for you to get to that next level and there will be times where you're tested. There will be times where things are hard. There's going to be times where you feel obstacles. There's going to be times where it's like, what I'm seeing makes no sense at all. But you have to take comfort in knowing that there's a bigger reason for why things are happening always. So those are the three things to pay attention to. So identify the alignment. You know, the scale from one to 10 is a great way for you to think about that. Once you identify that there is a misalignment, what needs to change? And then number three, make needed changes with no regret. So those are the three things that you can do when it comes to 
trying to turn maybe a, a team member that's a liability into an asset. So at the end of the day, what I want you to recognize, there's no cookie cutter way to build a team. <laughs> there really is not. And so that's even with the clients that we work with, we give everybody, everybody, regardless, like I work with clients privately, but also even inside a private practice CEO, they get monthly one-on-ones because every practice is different. Your practice is not the same as your colleagues. And as much in the space as everybody wants to try to act like practice, you know, if you own a private practice, everything is the same. It is not, it is very different. It is very different. I have been over multiple locations within the same practice. And each one of those practices had a different personality, a different dynamic, ran a different way. The reason why is because your team gives that practice a personality, the folks that you're serving. So the patient and clients give that practice a certain personality, right? And then the providers who are working in there, like the community, like all of it, the payers that you take, like all of it can be different and it's going to give you a different feel. So recognize that there is no cookie cutter way to build a team. One of the staples, I will say, from a from a financial standpoint, is that it's really hard to build a team on all 1099 contractors. That's a global thing. But outside of that, you know, there might there's a difference. There might be a practice who has more W two employees and in in a little bit of 1099 contractors. There might be folks who have more who have all W-2, you know, employees, and that's because that's what their practice requires. So it just depends on, on your practice for sure. So I want you to make sure that you understand there's no cookie way to, to build it. The important thing for you to rec to definitely make sure that you're doing and recognizing is that you have to connect with your team on a consistent basis. So please do not hire any team members and then feel like you're bothering them if you are asking for one-on-one -on -one meetings, or if you're sitting down with them and going through projects or making sure that they're set up for success, you're not, you're not, it's needed, it's needed. And so even with some of the transitions that our clients have made, I'm thinking of a very recent situation, the conversation that they had when we're making this change, it was very organic. It was very natural and it was very easy. Why? Because they had already built in a culture of feedback, right? They had already built in open lines of communication. They had already built in, we sit down with our team on a regular basis to make sure that they're set up for success, right? We take the time to make sure that they're good. So whenever there's changes like this that have to happen, it just makes it easier. And make, not saying that it's gonna be easy to make the change. You know, there will be some different emotions that are involved with that, but you can still set yourself up where things aren't just out of the blue in, because you've never taken the time to talk to your team or to be involved in your team on a consistent basis. All right. So that is today's episode. There is some homework that you do have. So here, when it comes to the team piece, ask yourself these three questions. What are the opportunities, if any, to train up my team? So this is going to help you when you're thinking about scenario number two, where that team member is now outgrowing the position. Do they need to be trained up? Is there additional things that they can do? Is it time for them to be promoted? Which is the second question. Is it time to promote anyone within your practice? The third question, is it time to let anyone go? So those are your three questions that you can ask yourself that will definitely give you some clarity when it comes to the team and to allow for you to make some additional changes. The other part of your homework is 
to set a date for you to actually to think about what you want to achieve for quarter four. What does that look like? What does that look like for you? Definitely go back and listen to the past couple of episodes. So there's an episode I specifically did on marketing to help you. And then an episode I def- that I dedicated to the money piece to definitely help you with the with the financial piece. Because at the end of the day, if the money ain't right, then you know that's a whole other different struggle. So you always want to make sure that you're bringing in the money that you need at least to run the practice, if nothing else, you know? Um, and then definitely making sure that you are paying attention to some of the money conversations that you're having with yourself. So go back, check out those episodes, dive into team, and I can't wait to see what you accomplish. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it empowers you as the CEO of your practice. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, share the message, and leave a review. If you want more information and support in growing and scaling your practice, click the link in the show notes to take advantage of our free resources or apply to work with me directly. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.